Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I'm recording episode 27 of my Lessons from Lost podcast. 27, that's outstanding. Who are you talking to this week? A lovely lady, well actually she's a trichologist called Katie Holohan about the bi-directional impact of loss and our hair. What's a trichologist? She looks after the health of our hair. I wish I'd met her many years ago. <laughs> yes. And is she experienced in porcupine hair? Hmm, it didn't come up, but maybe I'll email her and find out. If you wouldn't mind, let's have a listen. Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them, which now positively guides and defines our life today. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, and each episode I chat with a different guest about their experience. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their experiences of loss and also the impact that hearing these stories has on you, the listener. Please take care as you listen. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with Katie Holohan, an expert in all things hair related, and in particular, hair loss. A trained trichologist, Katie also hosts the Hair Therapy podcast, which is a mine of information for every aspect of hair health. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Thank you for coming on and, and chatting with me today. I know you're really busy doing your own recording, so I really appreciate it. Obviously, this is a completely different aspect of loss, so talking about hair loss. But before we get on to that, what was your path to become a trichologist? So I have been in hairdressing for 23 years. Um, I have been in education for probably about 19 years as well so I teach all aspects of hairdressing and I kind of got to the stage where I always want to learn more and I always want to kind of move with the times and keep updated and kind of get as much information and knowledge as I can and teaching hair up color cutting all the latest techniques all the time it kind of meant that there weren't that many courses left for me to go on to build myself because, you know, I'd go on a course and be like, oh, I did that haircut 10 years ago. So hair health and delving deeper into the hair and scalp was the one aspect that they really don't teach you very much on your hairdressing training. Shockingly, you don't learn much about hair and scalp health or the makeup of the hair and scalp at all, really. And so I went on a hair health education evening from, and it was hosted by two trained trichologists, one of which has won British Hairdresser of the Year three times. Oh, wow. Amazingly inspirational people. And they started talking about the work that they did, the training that they'd done, the people that they got to meet and help and the, the situations and conditions that they got to deal with. And I literally went home and on the train, on the way home, I signed up for the Institute of Trichologists next course. Oh, wow. It was definitely a strong message that was going to be your next part. Yeah, it really inspired me so much. And from doing this course for the past two years, I've really learned how much I didn't know. And there's, there is so much to it. 
is amazing. So you think it's a two-year course literally just on the hair and scalp? That's amazing. And I bet within, I mean, just from the little that I know, I'm just aware that there's things you can have like hair analysis, which, you know, can tell you aspects of your health. And knowing how little GP training or how, how little training GPs get on nutrition, I can imagine that hair doesn't feature at all, yet covers a big part of our body, doesn't it? I think one of the problems is with um, hair and scalp conditions and hair loss, GPs, they don't really, like you say, they don't really have a massive wealth of knowledge and training on specific areas. But they also, it's not important to them because it's not going to kill you, basically. It's not life-threatening. You can live with it. You have to deal with it. So if someone's coming in with hair loss or a very, very bad psoriasis or eczema, it could be making their lives absolutely miserable. And yet it's very trivial to the doctors. And I think what they fail to recognize with that They'll say, oh, it's not that bad, or you can live with it, or, you know, go and see someone else for treatment. And again, depending on where you go, you can get a very different response from each GP, which doesn't help. But what they fail to realize is that it's a systemic response. So like you say, bringing nutrition into it, by the time you you have quite significant hair shedding or your psoriasis or eczema flares up, that's a response from your body to show that there is something else going on. So if the GP dismisses that, they're also dismissing the possibility of something lacking in their diet, maybe a hormonal issue or another problem. So that I think is well, one of the biggest shames is that the person then goes away feeling worse than they did when they started. But the other problem is it's often they're missing then something else that they could really help that person with as well. Yeah, so I suppose the underlying cause of what, what's actually creating this this hair loss. So hair loss is it's kind of really interesting in a way because there's there's two aspects of it, isn't there? There's the the trauma and distress of losing your hair because forms a big part of our appearance and I guess our identity but also I suppose if you experience loss a which is a very traumatic or stressful loss then that in itself could then trigger then hair loss so it's kind of a almost a, a really awful double whammy for some people yeah I heard a phrase used by another trichologist, which I really like, is that hair loss and depression and anxiety are bi-directional. That's a great term. And I really like that because it's very true, you know, and then they kind of feed off each other. So if you get hair, if you get hair loss, that can trigger depression and anxiety, but depression and anxiety can trigger hair loss. Yeah. And so then it ends up feeding into each other. So it is very difficult and a lot to manage. Yeah. That's a great phrase though, isn't it? Mm. Bidirectional. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna store that. I'm gonna keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take credit for it, but I will use it from now on. 
yeah 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 no that's a that's a really good good way of explaining it so where should we start should we start with hair loss and perhaps what could trigger that and then the you know the impact on on people or, the, or what you've experienced yeah so again with hair loss it can be very tricky and I think one of the reasons why I started my podcast and one of the reasons why I like to talk about it is because a lot of people still don't know what a trichologist is or that they even exist and as you said before the GPs don't really have a wealth of knowledge on this area it's one aspect that they may or may not study for possibly a week in their years of study so if you don't know where to go to get help then that in itself can be very isolating and very upsetting and difficult. And it can also prolong things and make things a lot worse in the long run. So you might hear a lot of people say, oh, what's your trigger? There must be a trigger. Well, alopecia basically or hair loss is a blanket term for many, many different ways that you could lose your hair. Some of them are very temporary and some of them could be permanent. So when people hear alopecia, that in itself can be quite terrifying and quite upsetting. Some conditions, in fact, some of the conditions that look the worst and are the most scariest, like telogen effluvium, where you get massive load of shedding, your hair literally comes out in clumps yeah and you know you can see it in the shower the pillow the sofa the carpet that can actually be a temporary condition so it looks very serious and very distressing and if some people believe that if you can find your trigger then you can rectify that and then over time the shedding will stop however hair hair loss can be multi-etiological so as with a lot of things with the body it's a very complicated system and we're trying to keep the homeostasis of the whole thing running and it can be quite easily upset so you might find sometimes that there is more than one thing that is either Mm -hmm. causing your hair loss or contributing to it so we often start by looking at things like if you've had a lot of shedding, we look maybe anything from eight weeks to kind of six months beforehand to see if anything traumatic has happened. So I've known people that have had either telogen effluvium or alopecia areata, which is where you have circular patches of hair loss, which can be a bit more serious, from losing a child, losing friends. One of my clients had a a big amount of shedding three months after her dad had a major stroke. I've known someone to break their foot and then suffer hair loss, yeah, because of the physical trauma. Someone was in a car accident. But then also there's a lot of systemic ways. So it could be a thyroid imbalance. Um, Anything for us women, unfortunately, are more prone to a lot of hair losses, sadly. And obviously, we have a far more hormonal impact. So going through puberty, menopause, childbirth, all these things where the hormones are disrupted and changed, that can trigger 
different forms of hair loss. Also, things like puberty, menopause, we're then looking at changes in our iron levels. I've known some people um, that even have to just supplement with iron for one or two weeks of the month, um, depending on their cycle. So it could be vitamin D deficiency, vitamin B12. If you're not getting things like proteins, biotin, omega-3, anyone that starts maybe on like a very severe crash diet or suddenly decides to become vegan, if they're not replacing the nutrients properly or they're not supplementing, that can cause issues. And it obviously can be a combination of one or two or or more of those things so it's very complicated (laughs) yeah and it's it sounds like you almost I mean that's quite some detective work then isn't it to try and get to the bottom yeah because I guess within trichology then the aim is not is not just to treat it it's actually to get to the root cause Mm. of it so that you can actually sort of cure it from a, a systemic level so that's what I always kind of say and I think this is the other problem you have a lot of product companies and a lot of supplement companies and a lot of um you know remedies you know like snake oil salesmen yeah who basically say oh rub this on your scalp and I really believe that you have to solve a lot of hair problems from the inside out the hair grows from within the scalp in the hair follicle, deep down in the skin. So rubbing a product on the head, it's not really going to do very much. So we really do have to look at the whole system and how it's functioning. And it can be frustrating because some people say, well, I don't have a trigger or I don't know what it was. And that's also fine because we can still work to treat it as best we can and see if there's anything we can do to help them to manage it or for it to get better but if you can find and also it's very important to note that a trichologist will be able to look at your um, blood test results so a lot of the time we would say to them go and get blood test results get a Mm. hormone panel test or get checked for iron levels Um, and different vitamin levels now they might come back and the doctor might say to you that your iron is within normal range yeah but that's a bit like you know those weight charts yeah you know you could be one point off being overweight and they will say oh you're within normal range but you could be dangerously close to that line but if you're on that chart and you're not across that line they say no it's fine so normal range may be good enough for a doctor to keep you alive but it may not be enough for your body to be happy to produce hair in an optimum state and if your body is not happy if your body's under stress in any way or it's not on its optimum level anything that it considers unnecessary which unfortunately includes hair, it's not going to get produced. And if it does get produced, it's not going to be great quality. It's going to feel dry. It's going to break easily. It's going to feel thin. It's not going to be shiny. 
and it's not going to be strong. So even if they come back and they say, oh, everything's normal, sometimes it's worth getting that checked because there may still be things that we can do to make it better. Yeah. And that's a really good point, isn't it, about the, you know, what is classed as normal is, you know, what's what's normal? What are they actually basing that on? Mm-hmm. It, it's not on optimal levels, is it? So if, if your hair is one of the first things that when the body's not operating optimally, that it says actually that's not an important thing, then, yeah, then those normal levels then then aren't enough. So having good hair or healthy hair is a is generally then a sign that you're at pretty good health. Well, yeah, I mean, having said that, there are lots of conditions that are inherited, like female pattern hair loss. So at the end of the day, if you're a man or a lady and your hair starts to thin and it's in the pattern hair loss, that's not necessarily to say that you're not looking after yourself or you're doing anything wrong. No. Because unfortunately, we can't, you know, to a certain extent, we can't stop genetics. Again, there's things that you can do. There are medications that you can take that can help um, slow down any pattern hair loss and help to kind of, you know, not prevent it because you can't, but just help to ease that and make your hair the best it can possibly be. But what I also have found is that I have interviewed people where the doctors have also almost made it feel like it was their fault that they were losing their hair and I wouldn't want anyone to think that yes you can feel very proud of yourself and happy if you've got an amazing diet and you're getting out and exercising every day and you're managing your stress and you're being mindful and you're eating well and your hair is amazingly glossy and thick then that is great but at the same time if you're struggling with hair loss sometimes yes the body's trying to tell you something but I'd never want anyone to kind of blame themselves for that or think. Sometimes people, if they if they know their bodies well and they can work with them, they actually use that hair loss as a marker. So yes. if if someone knows that they suffer with hair loss, if they're starting to get stressed or deficiency or whatever, when they start to see a little bit more hair coming out, that's their trigger then to say, right, I need to start taking better care of myself. Yes, my diet slipped a bit. Oh, I haven't done as much meditation as I normally do. And just to look at those things. But I'd never want anyone to kind of blame themselves for it or think it was their fault. Because again, that can then lead to depression and anxiety and (laughs) more hair loss. Of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and, and a lot of stuff, you know, in an ideal world, yes, we'd like to be doing all of those things to to take care of ourselves, but, you know, not many of us live in that ideal world. And then we also have um, other things that come along that cause hair loss to happen. And, you know, and I'm thinking in the, you know, along the lines of cancer and, you know, various medications, the chemotherapy, and then there may be other medications which, you know, you, you have to take to um to keep you alive but would actually then create that hair loss well even the pandemic i know that covid 
has caused shedding for some people. The vaccines have caused minor hair shedding for people. Um, lockdown itself, you mm. know, and even the fact we've lost loved ones, we've not been able to see people, you know, the amount that I think everyone's had to deal with over the last two years has certainly not helped. But like you say, I mean, the good thing about a lot of things like cancer now is there are things that can help. So you are offered things sometimes now like a cold cap if you're going to have chemotherapy, which can help slow down the amount of hair that you lose. And if you're lucky, if the cancer's not immediately actionable, if you're lucky, they will give you time to um, have a think about your options. So if you're told you're going to lose all your hair, you can go and you can buy a wig while you still have your hair so they can see your hair and they can kind of match it to what you kind of have now. Um, Same thing with things like eyebrows. Funnily enough, losing your eyebrows and eyelashes can be more detrimental to your mental health than losing your hair. So if someone loses 70% of their hair, but say, for example, it was at the back where they could hide it and they couldn't really see it, that may affect them mentally less than losing 30% of their hair, but that hair loss being around the front hairline and the eyebrows and where it's really visible. So your eyebrows really frame your face. And again, I've had people that have said to me, well, when they they said they were going to give me chemo and they said that I'd lose all my hair and I was prepared for that on my head, but it really didn't occur to me I'd lose my eyebrows and my eyelashes as well. You almost don't think of those as hair, do you? (laughs) No, but they are. And they're the ones that are actually important for protection. Mm. You know, they've got a more function than your hair on your head. So... You can go and get microblading done if you want to while your eyebrows are still there so they can follow your natural brow. So you can transition a little bit more than you used to be able to where you were sent out into the world, lost all your hair and then had to try and put the pieces back Mm. together. But I have heard of cases where people would not take their medicine because they were worried about losing their hair. Life-saving medicine. That's how important hair is to some people. Yeah. That they would rather not take the medication than to lose their hair. And it's one of the first questions that people ask when they're told they've got cancer is, am I going to lose my hair? Not, am I going to live even? No. You know? No. It forms such an important part of our identity, doesn't it, our hair? And I've spoken to a lot of people that have really learned to live with that. And in a way, it's very easy to say, isn't it, that our outer appearance shouldn't affect our self-esteem and our confidence and how we are. But we all know that it it does. So Mm. I've met a lot of people that have successfully over time come to terms, especially people with alopecia, where it either comes and goes sporadically or they've lost it for good you know at least with chemo you know that chances are you are going to get your hair back 
yeah with some forms of alopecia that's it's never going to be the same again and so these people almost actually it's that it almost sounds melodramatic but it's true you do have to go through a grieving process almost as if you've lost like a pet or a loved one Mm. because you're losing a part of you and you're losing that whole your identity and you almost have to rebuild your life a little bit from that so it's it's a lot more that you know anyone who says oh it's only hair I think if you lost it you might actually reconsider (laughs) yeah yeah and I I guess as well there's a that sort of vulnerability aspect Mm-hmm. as well isn't there that actually if you lose your hair I could imagine if I lost my hair for whatever reason that would actually make me feel very exposed yeah. well literally because to yeah because to a degree you know we do hide you know we we have our hair styled in a certain way perhaps that maybe hides mm-hmm. hides feature or not not necessarily hides them but but either um, sort of minimises features that we're not so happy with or enhances features when we're not. Yeah. But when we have no hair, you know, it, it's our face and our shape of our skull and, and there's no there's no getting away from that. And I have had people tell me that they do get treated differently. So when they've when people have no hair, they do get treated differently. And it's amazing the things that people in the general public will say to someone. And in a way, it's worse for people with alopecia because if you see someone with no hair, you do automatically assume that they have got cancer or they're very sick Mm. or there's something wrong with them. And so sometimes people with alopecia end up really getting kind of judged or treated in a very different way because people think they're sick when that they have to live with that you know when you think of obviously everyone uses the example like Gail Porter um, and you know her now so you know that she's got no hair that's that's just her but imagine if you had to and it does I mean it has a massive impact on people you imagine how you would feel going for that job interview, even just popping down to the local shops, you wouldn't want to do it anymore. You wouldn't want to um, engage with people at the school gates. You'd want to kind of hide away. And it almost makes you stand out. So it makes you more noticeable and people will stare and comment. And it's very, you know, At the time when you probably want to hide away, it's harder to do that. Yes, yeah, yeah. The very nature of it then actually exposes you Mm. even more to be the subject of of other people's judgments. But funnily enough, I've been told the same from people with psoriasis, um, that when their scalp's really, really bad... Because obviously psoriasis as well, you can get on your elbows, your knees. Yeah. And it can be really, really sore. Um, but it also can be really visible. And again, I've heard people from that say it's just as bad as hair loss, that they don't want to go out, they don't want to socialise, they don't want to see people. 
So, you know, I think it's for anyone to think that because it's just, you know, a superficial feature, your hair and your skin, that it doesn't affect you, um, it definitely does. In your experience of the people that you've you've spoken to, how have people kind of been able to accept or, or live with it? What what sorts of things have they have they done or, or mindset changes have they had? I think the one thing, funnily enough, that has really helped with some people is the amount of representation there is now on Instagram. Okay. So having other people that have gone through it, to know that they're not alone, which again is why I like to talk about it and why I do kind of real life stories on my podcast as well, because I like people to know. So for every one person that will go on Instagram and take photos of themselves with no hair or go on a podcast and talk about how it's affected their lives and what they've done about it, there's probably 150 people that would never dare to do that but are still suffering Um, and you can go on Instagram and you can watch someone's stories or reels or you can sit and listen to a podcast in your car on your own or in the park with headphones on no one needs to know what you're doing or what you're looking at Um, but you will know that you're not alone and there are other people going through it and again picking up all those tips and the hints and the help that you're not going to get from your GP or you know um, from your hairdresser necessarily some hairdressers are very good and they have personal experience or they can help you through it again some people have said the hairdressers have been very good in noticing bald patches or Mm. psoriasis advising them for products or things that they can do but other hairdressers literally wouldn't have the first clue where to start so it can be very difficult some people don't want to even talk to their friends and family I've known people that have said their husband doesn't even know no one knows the full impact of what they're going through so also Facebook groups as well um I feel with Facebook groups they're kind of a blessing and a curse sometimes yeah um you know and you might join a Facebook group because you've got a tiny little bit of one little patch of alopecia and you'll have someone on there saying shave your head I did it it's liberating and you think oh I don't really think that's for me but at the same time there are a lot of people who have found again that sense of community and kind of sharing and safe space there's a lovely lady actually who has alopecia in America um, who does her own podcast and she's also written a book about alopecia and she connects families whose children have alopecia oh how lovely so she connects children in america with other children who also got alopecia so that they can share their thoughts with someone who's going through i think this is one of the problems friends and family even if they try and support you if they've not been through it Mm. They can say, oh, that must be awful, but they don't know. So sometimes finding that community 
and that person that's been through what you're going through can really, really help. Um, Like I said earlier, having to learn to accept and love yourself regardless of your appearance, which I think as you get older, you do start to do anyway. Um, But that in itself is a very big journey. And I think what people kind of don't appreciate with that is it's not a linear journey it's more of a roller coaster yeah yeah you know you could wake up one morning and be on top of the world and have no hair whatsoever and be like I look amazing I'm gonna go out today like this I'm really confident I don't care and then two days later you could wake up and not want to get out of bed so although the progression is gradually upwards it's it's up and down it's not it's not a straight line yes yeah yeah but I think it's very the difficult thing is just as there's so many causes it's also so personal how you deal with it and how you some people want treatment some people will try absolutely anything and other people have said no I don't want to take any chemicals I don't want steroids I don't want to have to have loads of injections or do something every day or you know, some people go very through the natural route. I do think it's a very good idea to explore nutrition, mm. mindfulness, stress management, um, getting outside, you know, just all a lot of the things that, again, I think, unfortunately, because the doctors and the GPs are so busy, they don't tend to have time to suggest any kind of holistic therapies so they tend to opt for oh take these pills or have this prescription or do this thing rather than right let's look at your well-being what's your general health like because there's many things that we could do like go for a 10 minute walk every day in the sun that are free um that would help but we would never get offered, you know, you have to kind of almost like advocate for yourself, I think, sometimes, don't you? Yes, yeah. And that's why it's so great that there are trichologists and experts around like yourself. And particularly with, you know, the podcast, I've listened to a couple of episodes and, yeah, been really moved by some of the um, experiences that have been shared on there. Yeah, so to, you know, to have that resource to to turn to so that actually you can't because if you haven't made that connection that my hair is falling out therefore there must be something else going on either mentally or or physically that perhaps it you know that's sending me out a a big red flag that that something something's amiss somewhere you know you, you might you know if you're not somebody who who looks at yourself holistically then you know you might just not ever make that connection and just go to your gp and and of course you know not knocking gps at all they do a fantastic job but as you rightly say you know they're there to to um you know save our lives and and keep us alive as opposed to optimal health and i think There are a lot of people out there as well. If you've got a really, really stressful job or say you did lose a loved one, you might, one of the the 
good thing. I know it doesn't seem a very positive thing, but in a way it is a positive thing if you start losing your hair. Because if you're one of these people that's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm doing fine. Yeah, my job's really stressful, but I'm fine. I'm coping really well. You might even think you are coping really well. And your body is then going to tell you, actually, no, I'm not. So your body is almost acting like a kind of a pressure cooker. And you, in yourself, you really might think that you're actually coping really well and you're okay. Um, And so there may be other ways that your body is then going to start saying, no, you're not. And if you listen to those signs and you do realize, actually, maybe I'm not doing as well with this as I thought, and maybe there's stuff that I'm suppressing that I haven't dealt with, or maybe being at this constant level of stress is not actually working for me. It's a lot more beneficial than waiting until you've had that Mm. heart attack or that nervous breakdown or whatever comes five, ten years down the line. You know, so it may not seem like a good thing, but if it causes you to kind of stop and slow down and reevaluate, or take that holiday yeah. that you've been meaning to take for the past four years, then maybe actually it's always easier to look back yeah. and on something and go, yeah. oh, <laughs> if that hadn't happened, you know, oh, I'm so glad that happened. But we have to look at this thing almost as a kind of a reminder and a, a, a sign that maybe we need to look at something. Yeah. Have you, I mean, do you know of any experience, if you've got any clients where actually they've come to you with, with hair loss and you've been able to, you know, together been able to identify something that had it not been picked up could have led on to something far worse in the future? Well, one of the students that I work that I was training with, she actually went and had, um, she's got a lot of things like hormonal levels and stuff aren't great and stress levels. Um, And she went to the doctors and they said that her iron was within normal range. And we looked at it within the class and it was very, very low. So it was almost half what we would hope it to be for optimum Mm. hair growth. Um, And yet, she was told, no, it's fine. So you can imagine over time how much that would have impacted on her. And she was very tired and, you know, suffered a lot. So even just silly things like that, like I think with hair loss, you know, it would be difficult to say, and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to be a hero and save someone from having a heart attack. But I did speak to a a guy called Tom Chapman and he runs the Lion Lions Barber Collective and he's actually starting to work with suicide prevention by training barbers in recognizing the signs of suicide and sign it's all about signposting so yeah. then signposting those people to the best possible person and so he's managed to prevent quite a few suicides which again could be from hair loss because they could be feeling so devastated and so 
underconfident about not having the hair that it's just impacted their whole life. Um, the other really good thing that I've done, which I would definitely recommend to any kind of professional, um, you know, like a beauty professional or anyone that deals with people, we got recommended to do it because if you're doing massage or you're doing facials or you're doing nails, you may see signs of skin cancer that Mm. other people don't see if you're doing a massage on someone's back you might see a mole or something that they necessarily don't know they've got so we've all done training with um a company yeah yeah Yeah. master's training yeah so that's amazing and I think it's something like 10 pounds a year to renew your training um so that again even just if someone came to me with just a lesion on their scalp or a tiny little lump um luckily I did a whole episode recently from a lady who had a lesion on her scalp luckily she was fine despite the fact that the dermatologist told her straight Mm. to her face you've got skin cancer which (laughs) I'm not massively sure he should have done that um but luckily she was fine but even just things like that you think well, yeah, I've got this lump on my scalp and it's a bit painful, it's a bit annoying, but I can't see a doctor. I can't even get hold of my doctors. No. I literally can't get hold of them to make an appointment. So it's very difficult to even, and you think, oh, I don't want to bother anyone. So for me personally, being quite new into it, um, I've not got too many amazing stories yet, I'm afraid, of people that I've really kind of saved from horrific consequences but I would definitely say to anyone if there's and again things like psoriasis there may be more you could do than you think so don't suffer with things and put up with them because you don't want to bother anyone or it's probably Mm -hmm. nothing or you don't want to be a nuisance be a nuisance go and bother someone if it's affecting your life and it's affecting your health and it's affecting your emotional well-being, go and see that person or get involved in a Facebook group. Find other people that you can talk to that can support you to help to improve the situation. Don't ever just kind of suffer and think, oh, no, I don't want to bother anyone because you never know what the outcome could be. You could end up giving you like so much more freedom that you didn't expect so would you say that has been sort of like one of the working in this area of hair loss that that's sort of one of the biggest lessons that you've that you've learned from it is actually join up those dots and yeah and also that sometimes the earlier we get to see people the better their prognosis so it is about not ignoring things and not hoping things will go away and get better on their own yeah, they might do, um, but all that time in between could have possibly been saved or when it gets worse and worse and worse, at what point do you say, oh, okay, this is not going to get better on its own. Go and see someone and see if there is anything they can do because then at least you know, you know, and sometimes people, even if there's nothing you can do, just having that diagnosis and that understanding and knowing what it is, is really key to them actually 
improving and feeling better about their condition and themselves. Yeah. Oh, wow. This has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. If people would like to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, anyone can message me, especially if they've got any questions or want any advice or anything like that. Um, I am Hair Therapy UK. So Hair Therapy UK on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, Facebook, LinkedIn, I think I'm Katie Hollihan. Anything, I'm probably on everything. So (laughs) probably Instagram is probably the most interesting one because obviously I do hair and I'm quite a visual person. So that's probably the, the one that I'm on the most. Yeah. And your podcast is called Hair Therapy. Yes. Try to do a different aspect every week. So even if you're just interested in scalp micropigmentation or what a topper is and whether you should be wearing one there should be an episode on there you can kind of delve into it and see if there's anything that takes your interest I mean I love hearing about people's experiences hence why my podcast is is all about people's experiences so as I say I've definitely gone and and listened to a to a couple of your episodes where you you've had guests on talking about their their experience of Mm. of hair loss in in some way and how it's um, impacted their lives and and all of them actually the ones that I've listened to have, have really sort of been quite positive in terms of how they've adapted and they've learned to accept with it accept it and and live with it mm. so really quite inspirational as yeah. well as being kind of really helpful as well to to hear what you can do yeah and obviously it's it is no, no, not probably it's not going to be the case for everyone, but I think it's nice to hear from people that they've come out of the other side and been better for it. It's a good of course. It's a good message to give to people. Especially the lady whose house burnt down. Yes. That was um <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, and the the fact that she's almost saying, Oh, I'm glad it happened. So it's it's that old saying, isn't it? This too shall pass. You never know what's on the other side. So it might feel, you might be in the worst place you've ever been in your whole life. No. But, and it's easy to to say, it's not so easy to accept when you're in that space, but it will pass. And you never know what's waiting for you on the other side. No, absolutely. Yeah. In those sort of darkest of times, you can't necessarily see that, that glimmer of light at the end, mm. but you can look back and say, my goodness, that that cleared out especially in the case of the house fire cleared out a whole lot of stuff (laughs) oh yeah definitely well worth a listen oh thank you so much for your time Katie um it's been yeah a, a really interesting conversation and a very different take on on you know it's a different form of loss but you know a very you know impactful form of loss so so really important to to have that conversation and knowledge about it thank you so much you're very welcome oh thanks katie that was a really interesting conversation i certainly learnt lots about hair loss not only about the impact that hair loss can have on somebody but also how experiencing loss can actually bring about hair loss So thanks so much, Katie. And if you want to find out more, then please do check Katie out on social media. I'll put all the links in the show notes. 
Thank you, as always, to everyone who supports me in the production of this podcast, for Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and finally, to you, the listener. Please share, comment, like. It all makes a difference and helps other people find it. I'll be back soon with another lesson from Lars.